Lots of folks have asked me how I'm doing, and honestly, uh, I can't believe Pastor Paul's been here for six months now, but uh, I don't think I've had a season in my life where God has brought me into a place of peace. It took a while, uh, exhaustion, a lot of inner turmoil for a few months, uh, uncertainty, but I think, how many of you know that God actually is working in our lives when things don't seem like maybe he is? And if we hang in there and we're patient, God brings us through those seasons into a better place. And so I'm so thankful that he's brought me into a place that I would describe as rich fulfillment. And so I'm thankful to have the opportunity to be here tonight. I am a little rusty, so be patient with me and look like you're listening, even if you feel like you might be drifting off to sleep. Amen? I want to read. I've got a lot of scripture tonight, but I'm not going to read all of those up front. But I do want to read one of the scriptures that I have from the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verses 35 through 38. Just a section of the scripture that we know as Jesus, the bread of life. Because it illustrates the main point that I have tonight as we look at the subject, God's invitation for Christmas. What is God's invitation for us tonight uh, for Christmas? John 6, beginning with verse 35, Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. I want to read that one more time. Because people really have a different concept sometimes of who God is. And what his heart is towards them. So hear the word of the Lord. Whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. May God add his blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word. Christmas time at Christ Church is a glorious occasion. This is my 11th year to experience and walk with you through the Advent season and enjoy the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ and his, his coming again into our lives. It reminds me, though, every time that Christ Church likes to party. One of the things that I mentioned uh, that I have loved over that 11 years that hasn't happened the last few years was an annual Christmas party that Roger Hammonds and Connie Hammonds, his wife, put on for many members of this class that came out of the old Saturday night group. And I miss Roger and I miss Connie and that party. But there are a lot of parties going on at Christ Church. We have a lot to celebrate because we are a Bible-believing, gospel-centered church church where we know that there is absolutely no such thing as Christmas without Christ. Christ is the reason that we have Christmas. Amen? Amen. And I want to thank 
the church for all of the warm invitations that Tanya and I have received this year to please come to our parties. We haven't been able to go to all of them because of sickness and other reasons, scheduling. But all of heaven embraces this warm invitation to participation. God wants all of us to come. He doesn't want anyone left out of this wall that this season represents. God says to every human being, please come. Have you ever thought about that? Please come. It won't be the party that it could be without you. The key word is come. The entire Bible is the story of a searching, loving God who's not willing for us to remain lost, lifeless, or alone. So he came to us. You may remember this. On a Thursday in 2003, with extraordinary secrecy, President George W. Bush paid a surprise visit to Iraq. The soldiers gathered expecting to hear the reading of the President's Thanksgiving proclamation by Paul Bremer, the chief U.S. administrator. But right before Chief Bremer read the proclamation, he paused and he commented that it was customary for the most senior official present to read the presidential proclamation. And then he asked, Looking around him, he said, is there anybody here who is more senior than I am? And then the president himself emerged from behind a curtain as the soldiers began to cheer. They climbed on chairs and tables to yell their approval. The president's visit not only brought wild cheers from battle-worn soldiers, but it stunned the nation and even his own family back in Crawford, Texas, who thought he was going to be at their Thanksgiving table. And he wasn't there. Regarding his visit, Bush said, I thought it was important to send the message to our troops that we care for them. In a similar way, God our Father, who had formerly delivered his message through others that we call prophets, decided to make a personal surprise visit to the world when Jesus came. Christmas means God has given us nothing less than himself, and his name is Jesus Christ. When God wanted to show us that he cared, he made a personal visit. He came in person. And I don't know about you, but the incarnation still feels like a surprise to me. Why in the world would God love us that much that he would so identify with us that he would come as a human being, that he would sympathize with our weaknesses, that he would make a way for us where there really was no way unless he had done that. The incarnation is a surprise, but it's also known as the grand miracle of Christianity. The message of Christmas in a few words might read like this. I came for you, Jesus. I love that. 
Wouldn't you love to see every billboard in Memphis, Tennessee? And more exciting would be, wouldn't you love to see that message on every human heart? People that really knew that Christ came for them. The scripture says, for God so loved the world that he came. He came for every child, every teenager, and every adult. He came for every male and for every female and for every person who might be confused about who they are. He came for the red, the yellow, the black, and the white. He came for the rich and for the poor. He came for the educated and the uneducated. He came for the employed and the unemployed, for the down and out and for the up and out. And I don't know if it makes much difference how much money you have because we're all bankrupt unless Christ lives in our hearts. He came for the hurting. And he came for the healthy. He came for every human being that would ever be born. He came for whosoever would come to him. With God's incarnation came God's invitation. And his invitation for Christmas to us, it has always been his invitation, and it will always be his invitation. This side of heaven is come. That is God's Christmas invitation. It's the message of the scripture, old and new. Everybody say the word come. It's an action verb. It's the movement of our hearts and our minds and our lives towards God. And I don't know about you, there's nothing more sensational than to feel the magnetic pull of God on your heart. That is the gift to us. When we begin to sense that we are void and incomplete, we are lifeless unless we are moving towards God. And there's a magnetic pull of his love on our hearts that brings us to that place. People who don't experience that magnetic pull of God on their lives are believing a lie that God doesn't care or that God doesn't exist or that God doesn't matter, but God does. And his invitation is, come. In Isaiah 55, verses 1 through 3, the word come appears five times. It begins with these words, come, all you who are thirsty. I guess we all thirst. There's a lot of fountains that we drink in. There's a lot of broken cisterns that we try to receive living water from. And all of them leave us thirsty. Only Christ provides the living water that quenches the deepest longings of the human heart. Jesus said himself in Revelation chapter 22 verse 17. He said, whosoever, whosoever is thirsty and whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the waters of life. It's free. Isaiah ends that section in chapter 55 by saying some words that I don't know that I have ever heard quoted from a pulpit. I've been going to church all of my life, but I love the scripture, Isaiah 55, verse 3, where Isaiah, through the Lord, says, Give ear 
and come to me. Hear me that your soul may live. Hear me. When the Most High God reveals himself to the vulnerability of an infant, we must listen. I love all the Christmas carols and the Christmas hymns. One of my favorites is Silent Night. And when I was thinking about that, I thought, Lord, every person needs at least one or two or more silent nights to give ear to the Christmas message, to the invitation, God's invitation for Christmas. To me, that can be summarized in one word. I came for you. Will you come to me? Come. In John 6, we hear Jesus' invitation again. He says, not only is he the living water, but he's the bread of life. I read this earlier. He who comes to me will never go hungry. James, the half-brother of Jesus, writes, Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Some versions translate the phrase, come near, as draw near. Draw near. Have you ever been in a place in your life where you really felt the Holy Spirit tugging at your heart to take your next step closer to God? Maybe, you'd been a, maybe you weren't a believer and you felt the, the conviction of the Holy Spirit on your heart and you thought, there's something pulling on me, literally. Or maybe you've been a believer, and, but you've walked away from the Lord or you've gotten distant, you've drifted, and you began to sense that pull, that tug, that drawing of the Holy Spirit on your life again. That's God saying to you that I want you to come to me. Because I have something for you that you will not find anywhere else. I love you so much, God says, that I want you to come to me and I want to fill your life with the things that you long for as a human being. There's nothing in the world, Brother Lawrence of the resurrection said, that is as delightful as drawing near to God and practicing his presence. Nothing. The psalmist put it this way. He said, in your presence, Lord, there's fullness, fullness of joy. There's fullness of hope. There's fullness of peace. There's fullness of love. There's fullness of everything that the human heart longs for. And God's invitation for Christmas is come. Now, I want to talk very personally with you especially those who may have wounded hearts for many different reasons. Maybe your wound is the original wound of sin that we all carry. But maybe your wound happened in your family of origin and somehow your perspective of who God is got off a little bit and you still struggle even as an adult to see God accurately to really know who he is and how he views you and how important you are to him. I have to tell you that as Methodists, we emphasize both the power of God, but we also emphasize, we emphasize the transcendence of God, but we also emphasize the eminence of God. That God is all-powerful. That God is almighty. That God is awesome. 
He's high and lifted up, and he's wholly other. There is no one like God. But his personal invitation to us to come and to draw near to him means that God also is approachable, accessible, and affectionate. And I'm not sure enough people really see God this way. Nor am I sure that enough people have experienced God like that. But folks, when you see Jesus, you begin to understand what the heart of the Father is really like. It was Jesus who said, He who comes to me, I will never drive away. It was Jesus who said, She who comes to me, I will never drive away. And there are no people that come to Jesus that don't have wounds. Did you know that being a human being means you're wounded automatically? But it doesn't mean that wound has to define you. When you come to Christ with it, Christ takes that wound and he heals it and he helps you and he even uses it to your advantage because you know that you cannot live any length of time at all without depending on him. And when we depend on him, he fills our hearts in mysterious and miraculous ways with the very thing that we need in that moment. In the past 30 plus years of pastoral ministry, I have made many house calls, more than I can count. It's also brought with it a few close calls with dogs, big and small, who not only bark but bite and even desire to eat pastors. You learn a little bit after 30 plus years. And this is a very simple question, but it's an important one because you've got to know what you're dealing with. I always ask people now before I go to their home, do you have a dog? And most of the time they'll say, oh, we do, but he, he won't bother you. That's a lie. A lot of times it's a lie. But I won't tell you about my dog. We have the sweetest little dog. A full-grown, 18-pound miniature border collar named Buddy. I want you to look at him. Do you think that dog would eat anybody? Now, what happens when you come to the door at our house, if you ring the doorbell or you knock on the carport door, Buddy's going to bark. But it's an invitation. It's a come on in here and let me get to know you bark. And then the minute he sees you, he go, his tail goes to wagging mode only. And he just goes like that. I thought, Lord, you've had to, your, your creation is so amazing. Even a dog's tail praises you. Is that not amazing? A lot of people don't feel comfortable coming to God because they don't understand who he is and what he's like. They're afraid if they come, they'll be barked at, they'll be bitten, and they might even be swallowed. And I want to tell you, the Bible does say that God is a consuming God, that he's a consuming fire, but he does not consume those who come to him. 
He consumes all of that which is not like him and which is resisting him. But he doesn't consume the wounded, broken, struggling person who doesn't know how to get their life together and they're coming to God saying, God, you said come and all I can do is come just like I am. And the scripture says, Jesus says, whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. People that don't know God don't know that in his all-powerfulness, his all-knowingness, and his omniscience or all-presentness, that God has a heart. In the words of Brennan Manning, he says, God's heart is relentlessly tender. Relentlessly tender. Whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. I won't reject, cast out, spurn, scold, shame, or refuse. But I will welcome you. One of the most hallowed, sacred experiences that I have as a pastor is to kneel with someone in prayer. Sometimes it may be at this altar. In the kneeling, you get right down on their level, whatever it is that they're dealing with. This is not President Bush Remembrance Night, but there's a picture in my heart of President Bush that I will never forget. He went to the home of little people. You know what little people are. There was a gentleman, full-grown adult, that was probably two and a half feet tall, and the picture is President Bush getting on his knees and having an eyeball-to-eyeball conversation with this gentleman. And I will never forget that. Sometimes I have that opportunity to pray with people and to stoop right where I am beside a bed in a hospital or maybe a hospice bed in a home. It's a sacred opportunity. And every time I do that, I think of God's incarnational ministry. That he loved us so much that he came and that he stooped. You see, the incarnation is not an absence of power. It's the power of God's compassion. Do you understand that? It's the power of God's compassion. Him identifying with us so much that he wrapped himself in a human body and he said, I know you don't understand this, but I love you more than you could far, than you could ever, ever comprehend. And Jesus says, come. Jesus says, come to me. All ye who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me, all of you who feel like you've taken your last step anywhere. You don't have the motivation, the strength, or the power to do anything at this point in your life. Jesus says, come to me. Because my invitation is a call to relationship and rest not to rigid religion of conformity without intimacy. 
in the church for far too long. We know the right things to say. We know the right things to believe. Our doctrine may be sound, but folks, there are many of us who are empty because we've substituted that intimate relationship that Christ has to offer with us, and it only comes as we keep on coming to Christ. It's not a one-time thing. It's the movement of our heart, our mind, our will, and our lives towards God and his presence every day. It ought to be the supernatural movement of your life when you wake up in the morning. You ought to get on your knees or you ought to sit up in bed and say, Lord, I come to you today. You're the author of life. Fill me today. A.W. Tozer says we've substituted theological ideas for a real relationship with God. Hebrews 4.16 says, Jesus is our sympathetic high priest who identifies with our weaknesses and he invites us to approach the throne of grace with confidence. You're not going to approach the throne of grace with confidence if you feel like God's going to beat you every day or if he's going to bite you or if he's going to bark at you. He says, you come with confidence so that you can receive mercy and find grace to help in your time of need. God's invitation has come. And maybe you haven't been told this lately, but God has more to give you than you can imagine. And yes, even if you are in your senior years, God has more to give you than you have experienced thus far. Arnold Palmer, how many of you remember that name? That golfing legend, now deceased, once played a series of exhibition matches in Saudi Arabia. The Saudi king was so impressed with Arnold Palmer that he proposed to give Palmer a gift. And Palmer humbly hesitated and said to the king, It really isn't necessary, Your Highness. I'm simply honored to be invited to this tournament. I would be deeply upset, replied the king, if you would not allow me to give you a gift. Palmer thought for a moment, and he said to the king, All right, I've thought of something. How about a golf club? That would be a beautiful memento of my visit to your country. The next day, delivered to Palmer's hotel, was the title or the deed to a golf club. Thousands of acres trees, lakes, clubhouses, restaurants, and much more. Please hear me. In the presence of the king, don't ask for small gifts. Christmas is God's invitation to receive some very special gifts. I just want to share four of those gifts with you quickly, just briefly. The first is right relationship. The theological word for right relationship is righteousness. But the definition of righteousness really is right relationship. Scripture makes it clear that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. We've missed the mark. 
We lack the peace of God. We lack peace with God. And we know it most of the time. But we often fail to admit it. We all know the traditional rhyme. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. But a modern twist to this rhyme reflects some irresponsible thinking these days. It says that Humpty Dumpty was pushed. Paul says, each of us has fallen on his own. Here's what Romans 3.10 says. It says, none is righteous. No, not one. We haven't been pushed. We are all personally guilty and can place the blame nowhere else but self. There's no way to be right with God without Jesus. And I want to make sure that we hear that. This is not some self-improvement plan. This is not a works righteousness plan where we earn our path and presence into heaven. There is no way that any human being can be made right without Jesus. He makes us righteous. The scripture says it this way in 1 Corinthians 1.30. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become our righteousness. I love that. Everybody say, makes me right. Righteousness means Jesus has made us right. And then it says that he is our holiness. He not only makes us right, but he makes us white. He makes us white as snow. That though our sins be as scarlet, he makes us as white as snow. And he not only makes us right and he makes us white, but he is our redemption. He frees us from the debt to sin by purchasing us back with his own blood. Only Christ can do that. There is no greater gift, I think, than right relationship with God. God puts you in the family. He changes your position. He translates you from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. He adopts you. He redeems you. He puts his seal on you. You are his. And that is the great gift that we have. Second thing, great gift is daily fellowship. It would be awful if we were introduced to God and then we had to wait a lifetime before we could ever, ever talk with him again, before we could ever walk with him again, before we could ever feel his presence again, before we could ever be in relationship with him. But thank God it's not that way because one of the greatest gifts of Christmas is God says that I want to have fellowship with you and I want to have it every single day. We are meant for life with God to walk with him and talk with him and experiencing him. We're meant for an intimate relationship with God that fulfills our longings. Jesus says in Revelation chapter 3, Here I am, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him. I'll sup with him and he with me. Our life is to be a life that is a feast of fellowship with God. You talk about a party. The Father says, please come to my party. It includes right relationship. And anyone that comes to me can receive that. It includes daily fellowship. 
And anyone who comes to me can walk in the reality of that kind of fellowship and community. The third thing is eternal life. Eternal life is not just about quantity or duration. It's about the quality of our lives. It's the limitless love and light and life that we find in Jesus Christ. And thankfully, it includes the promise of forever. Eternal life is knowing Jesus Christ personally. Knowing him up close is our absolute present and our absolute future. Third, fourth, the gift of fruitful becoming. Life with God is so much more than forgiveness or going to heaven. It's becoming more like him in our character. It's transformation of our entire being by falling in love with God again and again. I am so grateful that God has given us the capacity to love him. He loves us so much, but it's such a great capacity to be able to return that love to the Father. I want to close tonight by giving a very specific invitation. I come actually with a burning desire to be a prophet of hope. So many people today need the hope that only Jesus can give, especially in a world that's filled with gloomy predictions and forecasts and personal crises. Everywhere you turn, people are overwhelmed. And many of those people who are overwhelmed haven't even heard of this invitation to come to God. Brendan Manning, again, once mentioned three ways that we give up as human beings. The first is by taking our own lives. That is tragic. The second is by letting ourselves die little by little and making no effort to come to God. And the third way is by letting ourselves live without hope. I think that's what Henry David Thoreau meant when he wrote this line the mass of people, the majority of people, live lives of quiet desperation. They never say a word. He says they still walk around and perform all the gestures and movements that we identify as human, but the fire inside of them has died. They've lost the vision. They've lost the inward music. They've lost their song. They, they're like zonked spectators carried along on a mechanical sidewalk like travelers at an airport. They're along for the ride, but they're not sure why, and they have no idea why they're here or where they're going. And I think he's right. I see this in a lot of people's eyes, and I hear it in a lot of people's voices. It's time to hear God's message. Give ear and come to me. Isaiah 55, verse 3. Come, hear this. The Holy Spirit awakens our longing to come to God and gives us the courage to do so. It takes great courage 
to come to God, to lay down all of your excuses, all of your resistances, all of your fears, and take God at his word that if we come to him, he will not drive us away, but he will meet us right where we are. There is no way to get from here to there without coming to Christ. We're not only to come, but we're to come as we are. Come as you are. We mistakenly think that we can't come until we get ourselves together and start doing things right. How many of you have heard that famous excuse? Oh, we got to get things together first, Brother Chris. I've had people, invited people to church. Brother Chris, we don't have the proper clothing. I always tell them, I say, we don't care what you wear. Just wear something. Amen? We will never come if we think we've got to get ourselves together first. In college, I worked in a rag factory. Literally. Did y'all know those kind of businesses existed? It was a rag factory. A place where I cut rags and boxed them by the pound for industrial use. The owner of the company, his little wife would come in there. She had so much money. She had enough money to burn a wet dog. I don't know how much money that takes, but it was really a lot of money. She would come in about once every two or three weeks and sit down and act like she owned the place and just tell us about all she'd done that week. She was in her mid-90s and we got to talking about the second coming of Christ one day and she said, oh, Brother Chris, she said, I pray that the Lord comes on Friday afternoon after I get my hair done. I said, Miss Cheryl, I hope he comes on Friday to please you, but I said, he's seen you at your worst already. And folks, he's seen all of us at our worst. What in the world are we thinking when we say we got to clean our act up before we come to Christ? The only way you get cleaned up is by coming to Christ just as you are. And he gives you the strength and the grace and he touches your life and makes you whole. There's nothing like seeing a person come to Christ as broken and wounded as they are without any excuses and without any plan. They don't know what to do other than to come to Christ. And God meets us at the point of our desperation. And there is celebration in heaven when one person comes home to Christ. And I'm going to tell you, one of the reasons there's not more joy in the house of God is because people have stopped coming in a visible manner to God. Children don't know anymore. That's what they're supposed to do. Your grandchildren might not know it. Oh, Brother Chris, we're sophisticated. I wish we weren't so sophisticated because I think we forfeit a lot of the blessings that God has for us. And we forfeit a lot of blessings to others because sometimes it's those who come that help others come who don't have the courage or the confidence that God will receive them. Come as you are. Just as I am, thou wilt receive, wilt welcome, pardon, cleanse, relief, because thy promise I believe. 
God I come I come 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 just as you are come now at this moment right now don't procrastinate it brother Lawrence again says do not come just because it's enjoyable do it because it's what God wants he says if I was a preacher the one thing I would preach about more than anything else is the practice of the presence of God. Please get started now. Come. I don't care how old you are. It's better late than never. I baptized my own grandfather when he was 75 years of age. And he kept saying to me, I wish I had come sooner. That's the story of every person who resists that pull of God's love on their heart. Once they come, every one of them said, I wish I had come sooner. Come now and come closer. Advent is really about being drawn closer and closer to God's relentless, tender heart. I talked about Buddy a while ago. Buddy can't resist an invitation. Now, if you have a treat, he'll knock you down trying to get to it but all you have to do is just lean over like this and I know this is not very sophisticated and I didn't know how to write this in my sermon but here's what it says I'll lean down and I'm the least in our in the, our family of five of buddy's loves I can tell you that I'm the least but I'll do this I'll lean over and I'll go come here buddy come here what does he do? He can hardly wait to get there. God's invitation for Christmas. I believe there's a sound of heaven saying, don't stay away. Come here, come here. Can't you just see the people rounding up for God, responding to his invitation for Christmas? It's come here. I've got more for you than you can possibly imagine. I want you to come closer and I want you to come always because the call on the life of a child of God involves a perpetual coming to Christ. It is the movement of our entire being, heart, mind, will, emotions, Everything about us is coming to God. That is who we are. Close with this story. Bob Russell tells the story about entering his subdivision years ago, noticing that one of his neighbors continued to leave their Christmas lights burning long after the season was passed. They burned through January. Even through the 1st of February, those outside lights burned every night. And finally, he says he couldn't help but get a bit critical. And he said to himself and to his wife, if I were that lazy to take my Christmas lights down, I think I'd at least turn them off at night. But about the middle of March, there was a sign outside of their house that explained why that family had left their lights on. It simply said, Welcome home, Jimmy. Their son, Jimmy had been a soldier in Vietnam. And they unashamedly left their Christmas lights on just in hopes that he might return unexpectedly. Folks, God doesn't give up. And I believe that we're living in an hour where God's call 
is going to be strong on the lives of people. There will be people who've never known this invitation to come who will come to Christ. There are also many lukewarm believers who know all the right things to say and they say them with their lips but their hearts are far from God. They're going to be coming home. This is going to be the day of revival, a day when people are going to love the sweetness and power of God's word again. It's going to be a day where children understand again that it's okay for people to come to the altar in the church. Amen? It's going to be a day where people are going to shout to God right where they sit because God's going to touch them in a way that they've never known before because God has more to give us than we've experienced or more than we believe that he wants to give us. So tonight, will you respond to God's invitation for Christmas? Will you come to him with all of your heart? Take your next step closer to him. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.